Welcome to Great Takes Less Filling. This is U Street. You may wonder why I'm kicking off the podcast today. Well, the answer, I'm very excited. Hit my music. I'm excited about so many things. It is a gorgeous day in the Bay Area. The sun is shining. I'm led to believe that the fires in the north are finally more or less contained. And of course, our University of Minnesota Golden Gophers won themselves a football game today on homecoming 24-17 to over the Illinois Fighting Illini, the Fighting Loveys. And there's just so much wonderful things to talk about. Talking about John Celestine, talking about Carter Coughlin, perhaps less talking about Demery Cross performance, but that's not going to harm my excitement. And most importantly, I'm excited to be talking to you, Chris, or Goa Ufer. How are you doing today? I am fantastic, and I also am going to need to hit my music. Uh, this was honestly a, a really enjoyable game. It, it was easy to actually think about it as a frustrating game, but once Minnesota got the breathing room at the end, and you could take a, a look back at the rest of the game and be really objective about it, honestly, a lot more to like than dislike. We'll get into the stuff to dislike, but for me, you could see what the offense was capable of. Certainly... You could see the defense stepping up and and really honestly, in all respects that matter, having a great game. Uh, Their struggles were limited to an extremely short field that they didn't control. And it turned out to uh, one possession with a quarterback that they hadn't prepped for uh, because Lovey, you know, had pulled off a red shirt off of somebody he hadn't played yet. So good stuff all, all, all around, in my opinion. I guess, Street, just kind of break down. Like, what did you like best uh, about what you saw from the Gophers today? From an individual perspective, and we'll talk about this in a little bit when we get to our nectins, there are a few things that is more exciting for me than to watch John Celestin make an incredible play for his team. As a person, I've heard nothing but incredible things about John Celestin. He's been a tireless leader for this team, so to watch him have success was great. I was super thrilled that the Gophers finally were able to run the ball. Yes, it may be the case that Illinois is the worst team in the conference in defending the run, but that may not necessarily have stopped the Gophers from not being able to do that in any other time. I enjoyed the coaches making adjustments, but mostly I just enjoyed this win. It's been a long time coming. It's certainly been frustrating the last few weeks to see them have opportunities to win and through lack of execution have that slip away. So in a game where in the first half, execution may not have been wonderful to go into halftime and come out and say, look, this is how we're going to play this game. We're the more talented football team. And then go out and prove that was incredibly exciting. That was for me. How about you? Yeah, honestly, the point I made in my postgame recap, I, I just couldn't get away from it. It just, it just felt like Minnesota had what they needed to win this game. And it was really going to come down to whether they delivered execution at the key moments. Clearly, they struggle with that. Obviously, that can be very frustrating. But at the end of the day, it's really easy to look at this team and see what they're trying to do and see where the opportunities are. And when you come out with a win, it's a lot less frustrating when you talk about opportunities. Even when you missed them, winning just cures so much. If this had been a loss, then we'd be back to kind of the Purdue sort of feeling of, oh, we really let one slip away. But with the difference being at the Purdue game, there were a lot of times when things just looked pretty ugly. And I think the opposite was true today. We had a lot of things that looked very nice. And then we did not score points after getting into the red zone a couple times. So, you know, I'm feeling great. Um, 
good times all around. Cincinnati is uh, it's no it's no Bay Area, but uh, then again, my world doesn't go on fire every year, so I'll, I'll be nice and happy here uh, down on the river. Nectons of the week, uh, I think we can both agree offensively. I mean, it's Kobe McCrary, like without question, right? Yeah, there's zero question at all. Kobe McCrary had himself such a good game that he should be playing a lot next week. Yes, it is the case that Shannon Brooks went out. But honestly, in the two times we've seen Kobe this year, not against the greatest competition, I'll grant you. But he's looked fantastic. His vision, his ability to run downhill, see the hole, make one cut, and hit it and go. Excellent. All game. He had one bad read where he decided that instead of bouncing to the outside immediately where it was wide open, he would rather just bounce straight into his offensive lineman's butt. We all make mistakes. <laughs> Otherwise, though, the level of success that the Gophers had, especially on the last drive, where more or less they ran the same play 11 times in a row, and Illinois knew it was coming, and they adjusted every single member of the defensive coaching staff and Lovey were actively coaching players. They kept cutting to the side. You could see them screaming at individual players to change and do something a little bit different, and it didn't matter. And a lot of that had to do with Kobe McCrary. To me, the biggest run of the game wasn't even one of his long ones. It was one where the gopher line did their classic run blocking scheme of this year, which is to not do it. And instead of having it be a three-yard loss, which it probably should have, Kobe McCrary made one guy miss, and then was sort of gang-tackled by four players, and instead of going down, just picked those four players up and went six more yards. Phenomenal run. Absolute necktime of the week. Defensively, uh, who do you got for necktime of the week? As I said to begin with, part of the reason I'm so excited is because I'm so excited for John Celestine. He's my necktime of the week. I know that we're going to differ because there's definitely a lot of players who you could have theoretically said were the necktime of the week. I thought the defense generally had a pretty good game. Kunlaiende had a really great game for that matter. He did have a good game. But here's what I'm going to say, John Celestine. In order to win games in the Big Ten, your senior leadership has to make plays, and your best players have to make plays. John Celestine is both. Also, obviously, he had a very tough offseason, losing his father. In post-game interviews, he was very emotional. At the end of his pick six, he pointed at the sky, clearly in reference to his father. He said as much in post-game. There are very few players who I root for more week in and week out than John Celestin. And I think in the last couple of weeks, he hasn't been his usual self. He hasn't been as dominant. Thomas Barber's picked up a lot of that slack. But Celestin's had some problems. And in this game, I thought he did everything that he needed to. And ultimately, when the team needed a play, John Celestin made a play. And that's why he's my next of the week. Yeah, and I can't disagree with any of that. For me, I just decided I'd go a slightly different direction and go to Carter Coughlin, who honestly has just been such a force given you know being a, a young player. Um, and what was interesting today, not only were the plays that he made uh, in terms of sacks and getting pressure, but the plays where, in all honesty, if the Big Ten refs would stop being so myopic about holding calls, he should have been forcing you know, Illinois into real tough spots uh, based off of the holding calls that were not called against him, which were numerous, honestly. 
Um, and if you're a young guy playing out of position, which is essentially what he's doing, given that he's playing this you know hybrid rush defensive end, and you're having that kind of an impact where you know not only are you making plays, but you're forcing your the opponent to just straight up tackle you sometimes. Um, it's, that's just huge. That's just a huge thing for the Gophers to have that, and, and just a wonderful thing to look at moving forward, knowing that the defensive staff is going to have the ability to do some really interesting things with with Carter in, in the future. Um, you know, less exciting side of things, quarterback play. The one thing I'll say before we get into the negatives is when I talk about opportunities for the offense, I guess one of the things that really excited me, and it's something about you know what you said earlier uh, in terms of um, Kobe, I really liked so, uh, early in the first half, well, not early in the first half, throughout most of the first half and a little bit into the second half, some of the action they were doing where they had the you know, the dive inside zone action with the jet sweep and then the keeper uh, or rollout throw look with Demery. That everything they were doing there looked great and it looked like comfortable for for that group to execute. Unfortunately, the execution on the, the Demery portions of that sometimes were a little bit lacking. What bothered you the most about what uh, Demery Croft did today? We didn't get fourth quarter Michigan State Demery. We got early in the season Demery. And early in the season Demery is bad. Very bad. Really bad. And it's unfortunate because the talent is clearly there. If you want to know why it is the case that a fifth-year walk-on was asked to come back and then won the starting job, today. Today is why. Demery was 5 for 15. He had a solid uh, 47 yards passing, two interceptions. That's 3.1 yards per pass, by the way. And almost all of that is one pass to Tyler Johnson. That's not good. He made a lot of bad decisions. He forced a lot of throws. He threw things off his back foot. He was oddly timid when he decided to tuck the ball and run, which I thought was equally strange because one of the things that he did so well against Michigan State was not have that timidity. I don't know if it was because he was making his first start and so he was pressing and a little bit nervous. I'm sure that was part of it. I imagine there's a lot of other stuff behind the scenes that was going on. But for me, the biggest frustration that I had from this game, from the quarterback play in particular, is that if I replaced our quarterback with a replacement level Big Ten quarterback, the Gophers win this game by about 28 to 35 points. Yeah, we before the uh, before we hopped on to record, I think we both came to, came to the agreement that if they had no one better than Alex Hornbrook from Wisconsin, honestly, you know, you're looking at a six and one, seven and zero Minnesota team with what we're seeing as far as opportunities. Uh, it, it's it's pretty crazy how much this team is being hamstrung by the lack of any quarterback play whatsoever. Um, hey, big tip of the cap to the previous staff on staff on that one, by the way. Thanks, Jer. Yeah, and Matt and Tracy and other offensive coordinator who was here for so short a time that I don't even remember your name. Yeah. Oh, and Zabrowski, all of you, just bang up job. Really appreciate it. I mean, do we have other other things we want to nitpick, or do we just want to kind of have a little more uh, excitement uh, about this about this team instead? Because I'm feeling good. Honestly, like I don't feel like bowl game good because we still didn't show enough today for me to feel confident about guaranteeing that we're going to pick up two more wins. 
But uh, the Big Ten West is weak, man. Like, Northwestern looked terrible today. Iowa looked terrible today. Nebraska's looked terrible. It's kind of hard not to – if they can bring consistency in the quarterback play and the run blocking stays about as consistent as it was today for the most part, wow. I mean, bowl game is still there. Still there on the table, honestly. Hey, a quick question. On the on the blog, we've occasionally gotten some commenters that have been suggesting that this staff isn't really good at adjusting, and they should be a lot more like Jeff Brome's staff at Purdue. Uh, did did anything happen to Purdue today? Uh, fucking Purdue, man. I'm gonna risk the the iTunes explicit warning because <laughs> Rutgers has a win streak in the Big Ten for the first time ever. And it's Purdue's fault. Yeah, they didn't go. They didn't. They didn't play so hot today. I I hear they have a really high powered offense, and it's all due to coaching. It's not the you know they make all their players really well. Uh, did they Did they score a lot of points today? Was it Was it a big offensive shootout? They managed to not win a ball game or score a lot of points in a game where they ran the the fake flea flicker that they ran during the spring game. Uh, they ran that again and got like sixty yards on it and still didn't win the football game. Oh man, that's really. I think I think they put up like four hundred and thirty yards or something offensively, and uh, they 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 went seven straight. Uh, they during this game they extended their scoreless streak to seven straight quarters before they finally got points. Wow. And when they got points, they got like a lot of points at once, right? Like 28 points or something? No. Is that how many? No? No. Did they get like 21? No. How about how about 14? Alex, I feel like I feel like there's a nuclear hot take of the day brewing here. God, it's almost as if players have to execute a ball game, right? Like no matter what your coaches do, they put you in positions to be successful. If uh, if your players aren't being successful and they're not executing, it doesn't really have, matter how good the game plan is. And perhaps, 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 just to just to maybe tie it in, because as much as I enjoy a good Purdue shooting front, uh, that's not how you say that in German. But I'm excited, so I'm only going to speak English today. The <laughs> the thing that that was sort of interesting about this game, watching Demery is. After the fourth quarter of Michigan State, everyone was saying, why was this coaching staff playing Connor Rhoda? Aren't they idiots? Look at what they have on the field. Don't worry about the off-the-field issues that Demry may or may not have. Don't worry about that. Demry's clearly the person who gives you the best chance to win. And incidentally, that last bit is an opinion that I hold. I think he should start the rest of the season. But in this game... The Gophers coaching staff, which is a coaching staff, incidentally, that likes to base out a shotgun, likes to throw the ball, likes to do a lot of quick stuff, ran, I'm going to pull this up just so, just so I'm sure about this, uh, did not run a single passing play on their last touchdown drive. In fact, the final plays before, uh, before the last touchdown drive go as follows. Uh, there's one good pass, which was the one from Croft to Johnson for about 19 yards. Then there are five running plays. Then there is one pass for three yards. Then there is an interception. Then there's an incompletion. Then there's another interception. And then they didn't let Demry throw the ball anymore. No passes for you. No passes. 
The coaching staff, as you mentioned earlier, did not in any way plan for Cam Thomas to be in the game because he wasn't on film. Lovey burned a red shirt. And the defense had some trouble at the beginning uh, giving up some points. What happened in the second half? Weirdly, it's like, man, it's like the coaching staff adjusted or something. It's like maybe Rob Smith is not bad at his job. Maybe players need to make plays. And in good sense, if you're being excited, the players made plays when they needed to. Kobe McCurry came into this game and made plays. He made stuff out of nothing. The offensive line blocked really well for the first time all season. They made plays, and they made plays when it matters. I think when Flex tells you at the beginning of the season that they have a scheme that they'd like to run, but ultimately their scheme is get the ball to their playmakers, and everyone's like, oh, coach speak, or oh, it's cliche, or whatever. That's what this means. It means that at the end of the day, football is played between players. It's not played between the coaches. Because if it was being played between the coaches, I'm going to be honest, I think Lovey would have won a lot more games by now. He's a pretty good coach. It's about the players. And in this game, what I think you saw most notably is that you have players on this team. Demery, when he threw a really good strike to Tyler Johnson, hey, that's a passing combination that I would like to see be successful for the rest of the season. Those are some good players. They got some good running backs at Minnesota. When the offensive line chooses to block, those running backs can have multiple, you can have multiple hundred yard backs in the same game. The guy who hasn't played all season, who's the third stringer, because the two guys in front of him are just so much better, supposedly, rattled himself off a hell of a game. The defense has a guy playing out of position at rush end who made life hell for the opposing quarterback. They got linebackers who are moving all over, who made life hell when they needed to be. Kunle Iende was out of position, normally plays safety, he's playing defensive back, and he had a heck of a game. If any of those players don't play to their potential today, we're probably not super excited right now. We're not, I'm not enjoying the California sunshine in the same way. Exactly what he just said. So when fans critique the team, I think that's fine. When you critique the coaches, I think that's fine. But I think we need to have a realistic understanding of what we need to be critiquing. And also equally, and this isn't like go full Homer or something, this is being honest which is they beat Illinois, and I'm very excited about that. And I agree with you, Chris, that I think you certainly can get to be bowl eligible. But it's also totally conceivable to me they don't win another game the rest of this season. Yep. And that has nothing to do with whether or not I think these players are terrible, because I don't. It has nothing to do with whether or not I think this coaching staff is terrible, because I don't think it is. It has to do with, on any given Sunday, the Govers aren't playing. On any given Saturday, when the Govers are playing... <laughs> The players themselves have to step up, and especially players who were not expected to see much action this year, have to step up and make plays. And when they do that, we're going to be very excited. I think there's absolutely a way that the Gophers are not only bowl eligible, but are potentially going to get to four wins in conference. I think that's possible. And I would also say that if that occurs, everyone who is criticizing the coaching staff for the first three weeks of the season are going to be completely mum, and it is the most frustrating thing in the universe to me that that happens. I will be saying that I'll own the takes that I had at the beginning of the season at the end of the season, 
And I'll say why I had them apologize. But we'll have people in Gopher fandom who are more than happy to show up when the team is playing badly and will be very quiet if anything good happens. And when they show up, it's constantly the coaching staff are idiots, need to be fired, the players all suck, none of them are Big Ten quality. All of those are wrong. This isn't even a nuclear hot take. This is just more of a truth because I'm excited. So call it, uh, call it a sunshine take. My sunshine take is that if you're going to enjoy this season, which you should, you should be enjoying it for individual players and individual moments. John Celestine's pick six is what you should love about this season. Because you should root for these kids to have success. Because it's hard. And because they are encountering a lot of adversity. They're encountering adversity because they change coaching staff. They have new systems. They have new things put in place. A lot of them are young. Every single individual success that they have is something that we should celebrate. And that's why I gave him my next of the week. But that's also why I was so excited uh, to watch this team win. To finally get that win off their back. And I think ultimately because of that, they're going to be in better shape going forward. What do you think? I believe that was today's sunshine take from U Street, presented to you by Cuties Clementines. And everyone is grown with love. The kind you know is real. Cuties Clementines, the super easy to peel citrus joy that you should purchase every year. They're not quite sumo orange clementine mandarin whatever those are the sumos are still the best so i'm not going to give it a sumo take oh maybe i should give it a sumo take but not everyone knows what a sumo is and now i'm rambling so Do you, know, you know what a sumo take is here's my here's my sumo take of the day oh jesus sumo take incoming i think that lovey smith didn't realize he had three timeouts <laughs> that is the only explanation i have for running a two-minute drill that includes like a minute and 20 seconds of standing around for no reason, (laughs) taking none of them (laughs) to get down to about 20-some seconds left. Alternatively, alternatively, it could just be something in the water in the state of Illinois right now because uh, I think Northwestern had three timeouts and a minute and a half left when they decided to forego trying to get any points at all to win the game uh, against Iowa. Now, granted... They had to drive 80 yards against the gale force wind. A little bit more understandable that you take a knee at that point. But it's also possible that they didn't realize they had timeouts. So it could just be some sort of amnesia potion related to timeouts in the water in Illinois right now. If you live in Illinois and you don't happen to know what a timeout is, and I'm speaking the word to you and you don't understand it, please comment on this post and let us know. And then we'll know that someone is poisoning the state of Illinois. Do you think that like Andy Reid had a Freaky Friday moment with Lovey Smith? You put a lot into that one, and I'll admit, for the first two seconds of silence, my brain was trying to, like, process it all. I don't, man, I have no idea what he was doing. I have absolutely zero clue. My cat is so upset by the lack of timeouts that she is, you know, howling at me right now with how cranky she is about the lack of timeouts. Apparently, my cat is an Illinois fan. I did not raise her right. It's the, that's the worst clock management I've seen in the last four years, and I watched the Gophers lose to Michigan. <laughs> oh, Alternatively, I was actually really pleased with the clock management that the Gophers had at the end of the first half. Um, I was a little annoyed they didn't take the timeout with 30 seconds left, and then I realized, given the down and distance, it being second and goal, that 
there was no first down to gain, and they were only going to get the number of plays they got unless you know some weird you know penalty situation happened. And if it's a defensive penalty, the half can't be over until they run the play anyway. So they managed to, albeit you know they missed the field goal, but had they made the field goal, you know they were leaving Illinois no time no time left on the clock really after a kickoff. So I was um, I, I was really happy with Minnesota's clock management. Speaking of other Lovey Smith things. How long do you think Illinois fans are going to let him stick around before they fire him too early? I mean, if he doesn't make a bowl game next year, the calls for his head are going to be really big, uh, really large, high, loud. Some word that fits with the sentence I tried to deliver there. Um, I I think they should have patience. I don't think Lovey's the solution for them. I kind of want them to keep Lovey because I think Lovey's going to let other teams in the Big Ten West beat him on a regular basis. But if we're being honest about like where the program was for them and where it needs to get, if they let him get to year four, they're either going to know for sure that he's not the guy, or he's going to take have, uh, you know turn some of these young guys into something that they can be pretty happy with. I mean, they're playing fourteen freshman starters, redshirt or true, and I think of the fourteen, true freshmen make up nine. They've got a quarterback that. You know they're already debating whether or not they should just throw him to the wolves next week against Wisconsin. Uh, incidentally, don't do that, Illinois. If you really want to make this kid happy, just give up on the Wisconsin game. Let Jeff George die as an altar to you know a sacrifice on the altar of the cheese, and then come back and play Cam Thomas the next week. But I mean, Cam Thomas, I don't know. I mean, he's a true freshman. I have no idea what he's going to be, but seems to be talented. Seems to be athletic. You know, you play enough young kids for a lot. Maybe that pans up, maybe it doesn't. But you're going to know in year four whether that's the case. But my gut, my gut is, is the fans are going to want him gone after year three if they don't make a bowl game. I just have no idea whether their new AD is an idiot or not. You know, for all I know, he's just another Nebraska fan. Um, you know, dressed up as a as a former Illinois player, and then they'll fire their coach too early for you know irrational reasons. I'm going to force this segue to happen because you said dress up. And because I'm excited and don't really feel like talking about Illinois anymore, but the person that I'm always willing to talk about is Goalie the Gopher. It was homecoming, also close to Halloween. What was your favorite Goldie costume today? Uh, I will be doing a definitive ranking of Goldie costumes with photos and videos. It's really a tough decision for me because Goldie's came out with two costumes today. One was the dancing hot dog emoji, which if you don't Snapchat, and I don't Snapchat, you'll you'll have no idea why this thing exists or what it is. However, if you're on the internet, there's a good chance because of how big the dancing hot dog emoji seems to have become that you'll know about it anyway, enough to get the reference and think it's awesome. That's actually me. I don't Snapchat, but I know what the reference is, and the fact that they made a costume out of it is pretty fantastic. Then again... There's also the fact that he dressed up as the Night King from Game of Thrones and then made the band rise behind him as he raised his arms up. Which is really sweet and really hard to top. So I think just the fact that I'm a bigger Game of Thrones guy than a Snapchat guy, I have to go with Night King. Uh, And that's not even like his other costumes were great too. Like he had other costumes that I would have been really pleased with. But those two, those, those are my favorites. My nuclear hot take for the day is that Game of Thrones is not actually a very good show, but The Night King was very much my favorite costume. You know, I I thought Purdue was going to be the thing that disgusted me the most today, and then you went and had to say that out loud. 
hey man, just be excited. Just be excited. We won a football game. I, I am extremely excited. We won a football game, and extremely disgusted that I just talked to you for thirty-five minutes about it when you were going to say something like that about Game of Thrones, where everybody can hear it and have it be recorded for posterity. Hey man, you pay me the big bucks for these things. Fair point. Deadspin. Uh, when we see the next Deadspin article and it has something about I can't even drop my hot Game of Thrones takes without my managers being all over me, everyone you know who's you know out there uh, sniping at us to Deadspin, it's U Street. I got nothing else. I mean, at this point, I'm ready to chill, watch Penn State. Penn State is still killing Michigan, right? Last time I checked, Penn State was killing Michigan. I'm ready to sit back, relax, watch that continue to happen, maybe flip over to a game that's better than that. You know, because I'm assuming if they're up by a lot, it's just going to be a whole bunch of the whiteout is awesome. That'll be the whole rest of the game. But and then bask and enjoy a Big Ten win. I got nothing else. What are you going to do with the rest of your evening? Well, here's what I'm going to do with my evening, Chris, and I recommend that everyone else do this as well. Uh, randomly, we were looking for happy music because obviously we're really excited, and I learned that Prince, rest in peace, uh, was on an episode of New Girl the Zoe Deschanel show. And apparently in this show, Prince has a house party that Zoe Deschanel's character is invited to. Prince decided to send the showrunners of the show the actual playlist for the fictional party that he was throwing. Because Prince was amazing. So I'm going to listen to this, and I would also recommend that everyone else listen to it. So that's what I've got. Happy music from his purpleness on a day where the Gophers got their first Big Ten win. Because we're a full-service blog, a link to that will be included at the bottom of this post. Go take a look. Give it a listen. Have a wonderful evening. And with that, go Gophers. Sky Yuma, row the boat.